0: On Roar, I share real talks with top executives, thought leaders, luminaries, authors, and entrepreneurs who are passionate about building the next generation of inspired, empowered, game-changing leaders. Are you ready to fear less and move into your dream life? Let's Roar. Welcome to Roar. I'm your host, Lakeisha Gunter. So what do I mean by ROAR? The beauty of ROAR is that it's both an acronym, and the acronym stands for Reflection, Opportunity, Action, and Relationships. And it's an action. We are all born with it, a hidden power inside of us. It's a fire that is often suppressed by fear. That power is your ROAR, and it's waiting to be unleashed. Today, I want to spend some time talking about the power of coaching and how to level up in life and level up in your career. If you're looking for someone to help you find your purpose, your passion, to help you become a more successful leader and develop habits that create a more positive outcome at work and at home, a coach could be the answer. If you're an entrepreneur, new to management, looking to change careers, feeling stuck at home or in your career, it's definitely time to explore the power of coaching to help you fulfill each one of your needs and more. Research on coaching is clear and consistent. Coaching is most successful when it is applied to people with potential who want to improve, and that was certainly me. I know firsthand how the power of coaching can transform your life and your career. My guest today is Dr. Richard Osabanjo. He is a leading expert, organizational development leader, Author, executive coach, and an international keynote speaker in transformational leadership and senior leadership team performance. His work centers on helping senior leaders energize the organization with bold transformational strategies that unlock human potential and new market growth. He currently serves as an organizational development partner and trusted advisors to executive leaders at Intel Corporation. That's where we met. He's also a friend of mine, and I have benefited tremendously from his wisdom and coaching over the years, both personally and professionally, and he has been an invaluable coach for my teams as well over the years. So let's welcome Dr.
1: Richard Osabanjo to the show. Welcome, Richard. Hey, thank you so much, Lakisha. Great to be here today, and thank you for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, I've been looking forward to this all day long, right, um... We want to talk about the power of coaching and how to level up in your life and your career. And there's no one better to talk about that topic, in my opinion.
1: Well, you're very kind.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so before I jump into that and allow you to kind of share your just tremendous insight on the subject of coaching, I'd like to just take a step back, if I may, and really just give the audience an opportunity to just learn a little bit about you. Um, you know, Tell us a bit about your background, if you're okay with that, where you're from, and maybe who were some of your biggest influences growing up?
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much, Lakisha. I grew up in a city of Ibadan. Nigeria is the largest city in West Africa. Wow. Nigeria is also the most populous Black nation on earth with over 200 million people, in case you did not know. Yeah, I did my bachelor's in chemistry at you know, University of Ibadan. I did my master's at Loughborough University in England and my PhD at UC Davis. Going to the second question, which you spoke about the biggest influences, I can think of four people the first person is my mom. My mom was a woman of faith, you know, a people person. So that had a huge impact on me and my life, knowing that it was all about relationships and making a difference in people's lives. So I'm always thankful mm-hmm. for that. My dad was my biggest cheerleader. He's a professor, so a very, very academic. So he always urged me to be the best I could be academically. The third person who made a huge impact or influence in my life growing up was my dear friend, Tyre. He's an um, investment banker. He introduced me into the world of reading. I remember when I was in high school, I would just say, hey, Tayo, I'm bored. He will just say, have you read this book? Have you read this book? Have you read this book? You know, and one of my mentors said that boredom is not a loss of affection, it's a loss of direction. So I love it. <laughs> putting those things together, I got into the world of reading, and the rest, they say, is history. The last person who I'm really thankful for is late now, Dr. Miles Monroe, Mm. I read a book in Pursuit of Purpose and that radically changed my mindset. Yes, wow.
0: I tell you, you've learned uh, a lot. Um, and I can see how all four of those folks that you articulated have truly influenced you just in my interactions with you. But moms are special and dads are the same. And I love the fact that you developed a passion for reading very early on. And uh, Dr. Malice Monroe, just an amazing uh, faith leader. And you, know, you talk a little bit about how your mom kind of inculcated the thought around faith and relationships. And so I know that that really resonates with me because you've talked to many of my teams and myself about the power of relationships and the power of influence. So we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit. I want to ask also, too, when you think back on your experiences growing up that really shaped you to be who you are, what stands out as a defining moment
1: that really helped you find your roar? Yes. I love, I love that word raw. It's (laughs) it's, 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 it's fantastic. And my raw moment came again. I'm going to go back to, you know, the book of miles Monroe. I read, you know, in pursuit of purpose, Mm -hmm. I had this deep sense of inferiority complex that I was not enough, that there was something wrong with me. You know, I don't know how that came about because I grew up in a loving home with my parents, you know, and I remember one day, you know, listening to the audio cassette in terms of in pursuit of purpose And I just remember that day, what happened at the end of the day was I just saw myself jumping up. And for me, it was as if some chains were just broken, Mm. you know, from me. And so, and what I was listening to that day was that, you know, Miles was talking in terms of everything that is created or everything that is designed has a purpose. You know, for example, a pencil, a pencil has a purpose for existence, even a teacup, a chair, a paper, a paper clip, all of these things are made for something. You know, a creator doesn't just make something just because, or a designer. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to look at it from a lawyer perspective, a lawyer solves your legal issues, a doctor solves your health issues, a gardener solves, you know, your landscape and also cultural challenges. And again, we see again that all these things have the purpose in, in mind and they come and solve problems. And you know what, Lakisha? that also means me. It means, I'm not a mis- it means I'm not a mistake. I'm not here by accident. You know, it's possible I could have been in the wrong environment, but I have a purpose mm. and my purpose is a solution to a s- problem somewhere. So my job is to discover what, where my purpose, you know, fits and aligns. And I remember the word abuse. Abuse means abnormal use. You can imagine using a toothbrush to eat a bowl of spaghetti It's going to feel very awkward. Right. (laughs) It's going to feel very awkward. That's not what it's meant for. So I kind of discovered that I was not in the right environment. I never had like bad friends or anything, but the environment wasn't just right, you know, in terms of the relationships I was in. And I saw that was the problem. So the outcome for me then was, um, I eventually discovered and became my mantra back in the day. God loves me. I love me. If you don't, that's your problem. not mine. I love it. I love it. You definitely discovered
0: your roar and you were walking in that confidence every day from that moment on when you discovered your purpose, right? In pursuit of purpose and uh, really leveraging who you were created to be and the purpose that you have here on earth. And I I see it in you. You walk it out daily.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Daily, daily. That is powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, let's kind of jump into really how the four important people that you articulated as influenced in your life as you were growing up, and then the raw moment for you. Let's talk about really how that shaped you and your career. I know you have a passion for coaching, for developing executive leaders, for developing high-performing teams. Let's talk a little bit about maybe why you moved into that space. And then I want to talk about what you see as the value of coaching. Um, enabling leaders to be successful.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much for that question, Lakisha. You know. When I made my introduction, I said I have um, a master's, a BSc, and a PhD up to chemistry. Mm-hmm. And people might be wondering, why is Richard talking about coaching? Well, it's a very long story. You know? <laughs> and one of that is, you know, growing up in Nigeria, a developing country of, you know, right now about 200 million people. At the time, I was pursuing a career based on job security, mm-hmm. not on job satisfaction of who I was. You know, eventually, I discovered that you know your career, you know, should be an extension of who you are. It's like your work expressed is love expressed in work. You know, that's one um, explanation I've had Marshall say in terms of you know your career should is a form of how you express love. And even just taking and soaking all that in, I kind of found that going to work day in day out, I kind of discovered. I wasn't excited as motivated when I was in the chemistry, you know, field, you mm-hmm. know, I was a senior process engineer at the time. And I remember one day when I was speaking to a colleague of mine, you know, and both of us were talking about a project and I just saw the person's enthusiasm mm-hmm. and I just had a power moment in my mind. I just imagined my manager just watching both of us from a distance talking about the same topic you know, and what my manager will be thinking about me. (laughs) So so I just said, okay, Richard, you know, a mentor of mine told me there are three things in life you must get right, you know, where you spend eternity, who you marry and your career. I said, you know, I, I believe I have two of those boxes checked. I need to go check the third one. But more importantly, what now came into picture for me, once I discovered that, you know, I wanted something that, you know, I could be an expression of love. I kind of went on this journey in terms of what's my potential, what is my passion and what is my purpose and how do those three things align? And again, when I was younger, I even remember when it was elementary school, I always wanted to be the head prefect. The same thing happened when I was in high school. You know, I was the head captain for about 400 and boys in the hall when i was in the university i was a student from the chemical society of nigeria so i always had this bent towards leadership and you know mm-hmm. bringing people to achieve something you know and i you know i've been a choir leader i've been a you know a, a drama director i've been a youth leader at my church so it was something that was always there but i took it as a hobby mm-hmm. you know and i was just tired of doing two jobs you know being an engineer during the day you know, and not sleeping for nights, weekends, and really fulfilling my passion, that why don't I just make these two things align? So that was kind of why I eventually got here. And and I can say that, you know, I'm at home now. You know, I'm excited. You know, it's just even if I don't get paid for what I'm doing, even the satisfaction it brings, because, you know, they say that... um, Success is adding value to you, but significance is adding value to others. So in my new role, being an organizational and leadership development leader at Intel, I see it more as being significant because it's not about me, but it's helping our leaders, you know, solve problems that have an impact on people's lives. So it's very rewarding and very fulfilling as well.
0: Wow, I love it. I mean, you just talked about the trifecta, the potential, the passion, and the purpose, and you're walking in all three? And you're helping others do the exact same thing every day. And you're really, you say your career is love in the form of work, right? So you're you're walking right in the middle of that. So talk a little bit about how you're leveraging your passion um, and your purpose to develop others. And how do you perceive coaching and the value of coaching in a leader's life?
1: Yeah, I can't. You know, Lakisha, you have to put a stop on me. I can't. um, (laughs) I can't. I can't say enough of it. It is a game changer. Mm. there's this leadership principle by John Maxwell. Yeah. Okay. I almost lost that. By John Maxwell, he calls it the law of the lead. And it says that your leadership ability is the lead that determines a person's level of effectiveness. So let me just break down that a little bit. So to translate that is if I walk into a building with balloons in my hands, if I release those balloons, the highest form the balloons are going to go is the height of the ceiling. Mm -hmm. If I go into a building that has, you know, really tall vaulted ceilings, the balloon is going to go, you know, way taller. So the height at which a balloon goes in a building determines determines the height of the ceiling. So let's just take a pause and think about that for a moment. Because what that is saying is that as a leader, the growth of your organization and the growth of your people are dependent on that height. So if that height is fixed, that means your organization is not going to grow. So, if a leader doesn't grow, the organization is not going to grow. Wow. If a leader doesn't stretch, the organization is not going to stretch. And change is inevitable, but growth is a choice. So, your organization will only grow when leaders grow. And that's why it's super, super important that leaders prioritize their growth and development. You know, leaders, you know, it's almost like they don't have time to do anything else, but we just need to understand that if you are not growing, you can actually be the person derailing your organization instead of, you know, helping it. Wow. And from a coaching perspective, you know, if a leader can change himself and can ultimately shift mindsets and influence behaviors of his team and the organization, then lasting change happens. And this is where coaching comes in because coaches help the leaders to help increase that lead and that capacity, and when that happens, you know, lasting change occurs and growth as well. That you cannot put a dollar bill on because it's just immense. The impact can be huge. I love that, I love that.
0: The law of the lid is what I hear you say, right? The law of the lid, yes. I love what you, the analogy you use in terms of the height of the ceiling, right? If we have vaulted ceilings, I can go higher, right? So we wanna make sure that we're not limiting, is what I hear you say. We're not putting a lid on the growth of the team, And that is determined by the growth of the leader. Absolutely. So, you know, given your, you know, the opportunities that you've had to work with a lot of leaders, I would say uh, both in your profession as an HR executive, executive leader, talk a little bit about what types of coaches that you've been exposed to, you've experienced, you recommend that are available to leaders. Because it's not just a one size fit all, if I'm not mistaken.
1: No, that's a good question, um, Lakisha. And again, I would just say, you know, it depends on the growth opportunities the leader is willing to explore. You know, there are different types of coaches and coaching. You know, some people are looking for a life coach, you know, which kind of takes a holistic approach that one area of your life, you know, affects others. And it kind of looks in all those as a whole system. You know, there's also the performance coaching, you know, which a lot of organizations, you get a CEO, you get a new leader, you're onboarding them. You know, you want to make sure, you know, Again, the lead is not limiting them. So performance coaching, there's business coaching as well. There's leader coaching depending on where people are seated in the organization. But ultimately, you want a coach who can challenge you, who can, you know, give you perspective. You know, if you're an executive coach, uh, if you're an executive leader, you want somebody who has an experience with that field in terms of the mindset. So they're able to bring you different perspectives from a thought and also able even help you to change by through the questions they're asking, help you to discover your own paradigm mm-hmm. shifts that need to happen. But again, you know, coaching engagements can last from six months to a year, you know, and so it's imp- the chemistry is extremely important Because if you're going to be staying with somebody for six months, with a coach for six months, one year, it's a relationship that should be enjoyed and not endured. And like everything Mm -hmm. else, buyer be aware of who you're bringing and exposing to your life. Absolutely. I love
0: that you say buyer beware, okay? (laughs) Because it is a relationship and you want to be in a relationship where you actually enjoy the time that you're investing. So totally makes sense to me. Now, I've also, you know, some people say, well, you know what, I'm already excelling in my career. You know, I don't need a coach. I mean, who needs a coach anyway? I mean, I'm, I'm being a bit facetious, but is there a stigma associated with coaching? And, and do you believe that if, you know, I think the answer is yes, but if one feels like they're excelling in the career, sometimes they may think, well, I don't need a coach because there's a stigma with it and I'm already doing good. What are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, to be fair, I'll say I can relate to that type of thinking. I felt that way before. Mm -hmm. But ultimately when I had an experience, you know, about the power of coaching, which even wasn't like formal that you're my coach or I want to pay someone, but just experiencing that interaction day in, day out, eventually I was able to name it coaching. It's had a profound, you know, impact on my life and the results I've seen, you know, in my life. Mm -hmm. From my experience, from what I see, especially in tech industries, many times when I'm asked to go consult with a leader, you know, either from an engagement perspective or even to explore, I won't say I've seen people do it through a welcome party, you know, that a coach has arrived. And again, especially when you look at the Western world, which has a do-it-yourself mentality, you know, which has, you know, there's a sense of pride attached to owning and doing something yourself. Mm -hmm. You You know, getting a coach could signal or even if not to them or to other people and make people feel that they are losing control or they are weak or there's something, you know, broken. So, you know, I can totally see how that might be perceived, especially in tech and male-dominated environments. The one thing I would say, though, is that great leaders understand the value of coaching. They understand that even the best, you know, sport players in the world, whether you think of Michael Phelps, Anthony Joshua, Serena Williams, Ronaldo, Tom Brady, they all have coaches. I've not seen any one of them who says they've achieved this level of success, you know, and they said, oh, I'm done. I don't need a coach. So (laughs) having a coach is really a testament of your growth orientation and is not a sign of weakness.
0: I love it. I love that. I I totally agree with that. Right. And so I would also ask the question, you know, you talked about the power of coaching in your life. You alluded to it, right? You know, coaching is really about powerful transformations and whatever aspect you're looking to grow in, right? You know, what are some of the powerful transformations that you've helped other people achieve or maybe an example of how a coach has helped you have
1: transformational results? That's a great question, Lakisha. So, yeah, I'll give an example of both. I think for me, and again, you know, just saying it on air, you have been a coach for me too. You know, I remember many times when I've called you like, you know, (laughs) this is what is going on. I don't know whether I should go for this, you know, and you've always, you know, spoken positive words into my life. Like, you know, what have I got to lose? And I should go for that. So definitely just, you know, having somebody bring a different perspective has helped me take steps I wouldn't have taken. Even the current role I'm in right now, you know, I had my doubts, you know, mm-hmm. going for it. But, you know, I spoke with you. I spoke with other people in my life, you know, people who have coached me in various forms. I'm like, Richard, what have you got to lose? You know, mm-hmm. go for it. And voila, here I am today. Love it. I would say, so looking at it in terms of other people's life, one of the areas I've had tremendous success with people has always been on performance coaching. I've looked at the five people I've coached in the last three years and three of them have been promoted Twice. Wow. And one of them, you know, actually, two of them within a span of two years are actually going to be executives very soon. So I've had a very you know, high success rate when it comes to performance coaching. I'll say almost um, 80 to 90% success rate from a performance based one. And again, it's, again, it's been that trusted partner, you know, from a coach perspective, they have it in them. You just need to, you know, dust it off and just see the sparkle that was already there. So that's one thing. And I know, and you know, one of the delights of a coach is when people tell you that, you know, thank you for partnering with me, you know, thank you for helping me to unearth what was already there. So those are some certain things, you know, I pride my success when other people are successful. So that is something that has really been, you know, phenomenal. Love
0: it. Those are outstanding results. You know, many times we come to a coach with a plan and say we need help here or there. And to your point, their knowledge and experience working with leaders similar to to me or similar to you helps us traverse some of those challenges. Talk about maybe how you've helped the folks that you've coached from a mindset perspective, because I think it, it speaks to something you articulated earlier. It was really a shift in your mindset, right? Around who you were your purpose, your potential, and finding your roar. So to me, that all relates to having the right mindset. What are some things that you've done to help the individuals that you coach develop the right mindset for growth?
1: Yeah, no, Lakeisha, that's an excellent question. You know, so in a coach's paradise, you know, your ideal client is someone who has a strong passion and desire to learn and grow. Mm -hmm. In that regard, a coach can help, you know, I can help a client, you know, discover their blind sports, you know, working together with them, asking insightful questions and helping them to discover themselves in turn that helps with their mindset, Mm -hmm. you know? So, for example, it's not uncommon to have leaders default to the same set of skills that got them where they were yesterday, but in a new environment, they want to default to the same old habits, You know, but those same old habits at times, which helped them in the past, might be getting in their way currently. So to have a leader who is open to exploring new things, especially when they are not getting the results they want to see, they really have to have that strong desire to learn and to grow. They have to be able to understand, they should have been able to discover what done a cost benefit analysis on why they want to walk this path. They have to have the energy you know, for that versus somebody who is a naysayer, who is a, you know, a victimizer, somebody who attacks you, that person is already a glass full. There's really nothing left to add to that person. It's just going to pour over, you know, for a coach, those are people you have to say no to. So one of the good things about coaching engagements, you don't say yes to everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, and in other for a great client, you know, a, a leader has to number one, have the following three characteristics from a mindset perspective, they have to have courage mm. because when you go in this coaching journey, you are going to be asking for feedback that requires courage from the coach's perspective, but also even requires more courage from the person giving you back. The second thing is that they have to be humble to accept that feedback as well. You wow. know, and the third thing is that, you know, they have to be disciplined, you know, to commit to the process through the change process.
0: Powerful. I mean, wow, you're spot on. I'm just thinking uh, of my journeys. With various coaches, right? I love the discipline, the courage, the humbleness. To be an open vessel is what I hear you say, right? Absolutely. To be an open vessel where folks can pour into you what you need, to your point, to traverse the path that you want to go down. I love what you articulated, the cost-benefit analysis, right? What is the cost? Um, What's the value? What's the ROI? What's, you know, all of those things as we look to figure out where we want to go in life and where we want to go in career. I I love that very uh, thoughtful perspective on that. Talk a little bit about um, your work with Marshall Goldsmith, right? He's perhaps one of the best known executive coaches in the U.S., right? He's wrote a book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There, which is what you just alluded to, right? As leaders, we have to understand that as we traverse different levels, we've got to make some adjustments. We've got to learn new skills, have a new perspective is, is what I hear you say. And and then I know that firsthand, it's it's very true. Talk about maybe any tools or tips or perspectives from your time. I know you spend quite a bit of time with him um, over, you know, each year, and I'd love to kind of get some nuggets for free, if we can, um, <laughs> of your time with him that would be beneficial to me and the audience.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know the great thing, um, Lakisha, is Marshall is actually coming to Intel September 30th, so... Intel, oh, welcome really? Marshall Goldsmith. Yes, it's <laughs> coming live and direct to Intel. So we're really excited to welcome our very own Marshall. Marshall is phenomenal. He's an excellent leader, you know, and the total Marshall Goldsmith in 100 top coaches, you know, a phenomenal family of coaches. So really yeah, excited. We're part of that top 100 coaches. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Yes, truly. Uh, yes, I love it. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> truly. So we are really, ex- you know, really the um, Intel Talks is really excited to be welcoming, you know, Marshall Goldsmith with us. So just, you know, going back to what you mentioned, it's one of the things Marshall talks about, and also one of the things that really makes Marshall Goldsmith's stakeholder centered coaching really effective is this premise of whereby you bring in stakeholders, you know, into the game. So when you look at a lot of the coaches we've been talking about, it typically has been one-on-one Right. I have a coach who is coaching. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But what makes this different is that you also have your stakeholders. You know, when you say it takes a community to train, bring up a child or to train a child, this is now using a community aspect. And, you know, it's so, so powerful. So one of the things that, you know, Marshall will always emphasize as well is this issue of the mindset. I spoke about that earlier, that, you know, for a good coaching engagement, a leader has to have a mindset of courage, has to have a mindset of humility, and also has to be disciplined. And also when you see also from a mindset that leaders typically have, they usually have the mindset of, you know, I am successful, I choose to be successful, you know, and I will be successful. You know, and each of those mindset means different things there's a pro and there's a con to it as well. So for example, the one that says, you know, I will be successful, you know, the pro part of that is you are being optimistic. The con part of that is I want to succeed at all costs and you can be, begin to break ethics and so on and so forth. So just understanding the pros and cons in terms of what leaders tend to have from a winning perspective. You know, and the other thing also from this um, stakeholder-centered coaching, you know, is that in a great engagement or coaching is that the leader has to identify, you know, one to three behaviors. And Lakisha, I'm repeating behaviors. So, so for example, a lot of leaders at times when they get feedback from service and says, you know, there's no, you know, a leader needs to work on trust. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times people just default to, so I need to send out more emails I need to do, maybe, you know, share more of my strategy X, Y, and Z, but you really need to understand what are the behaviors, not the outcome or not an opinion. So you really have to nail that down because when you talk about behaviors, you know, you can actually measure those. You can see what you're doing and what you're not doing, especially if you're going to be involving your stakeholders. And lastly, you know, like I said, is involving your stakeholders and the journey, You know, and one thing I would do say is that when you involve your stakeholders in the journey, you want to really do seven things. You know, the first thing is ask for feedback, which I said takes courage on both Mm -hmm. sides. So and also you have to make sure you are creating psychological safety, that there's no fear of retaliation. The second thing is you have to listen to understand, you know. And, you know, you're only allowed to ask clarifying questions. Don't defend. Don't just listen, you know. And after you've listened, the next thing you want to do is just to thank them for giving that feedback. It takes courage. Right. You know, you want to reflect on what you've just had, you know, and at times, you know, and at times it's even difficult when the person giving you feedback is someone you don't even respect, you know, but at the very least, you know, hold a microscope to the feedback you've just had, you know, and just reflect, is there any form of truth in this, Mm -hmm. you know, The next thing you want to do is you want to respond, you know, because what is worse is when you ask for feedback and people don't see a change, Mm -hmm. you know, so you want to respond that, you know, thank you for the feedback you've given me, you know, identified one, two, three behaviors that I'm going to be working on and also invite them inside the journey that I would like you to partner with me over the next six months. You know, one thing we do all know is executives are short on time. So again, if he's just asking for two, three, four, five minutes, I'll just check in with you five minutes every month, nothing more, you know, and again, the power is in the follow-up, make sure you check in regularly with them in the change aspect, skip before even just the follow-up you want to create, you know, how are you going to measure your success on the individual level, on the team level and the organizational level, you know, you want to find a way to track that. And that is where your coach really, you know, holds you accountable, you know, to make sure you're going according to plan and, you know, Ever so periodically, you want to do, you know, like at Intel, we do our after action reviews. Mm-hmm. You want to say, you know, this behavior, you know, I've chosen to work on whether it's building trust with my team, you know, what did I set out to do? You know, and what actually happened, you know, why did that happen? Where were the insights I drew from that? And the next step is, so what am I going to do about it? So just like you do in your business, you know, you are now doing this on your life and your journey of change. So this is where your, you know, your coach comes in. This is where your stakeholders come in to really give you that feedback. And I just want to give a shout out, you know, to Marshall and Frank Wagner, the stakeholder standard coaching. You know, they've invested so much into my life. I've learned a ton from them and the whole MG100 coaches as well. And of course, Lakisha, you have been phenomenal. So I just (laughs) want to give a shout out. You've been a coach to me too. So I'm happy to say that because it's it's blessed my life in tremendous ways.
0: Oh, you're so kind. And it goes both ways, Richard. And I said earlier in my introduction, right, you have been... Just a phenomenal coach and a sounding board for me, right? Even challenging me in a good way to have me think about things differently. Or, you know, every time that I start a new job, I have a conversation <laughs> with you. <laughs> like, okay, Richard, here's, you know, what I'm getting ready to do now. What are your thoughts here? How do I approach that? Because, I mean, here's the thing there's so much power in a coach, but also a board of advisors, right? You're part mm-hmm. of that board of advisors for me that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, here's what I'm thinking. How might I approach this? And so, You know, that whole phone or friend thing, right? That whole, you know, just call a buddy, right? You know, in case, break open, you know, in case of emergencies, okay, we're just, I got a challenge, I need you right away. But whatever it is, as leaders, it's important. Even, you know, all of us are leaders. We have to have those sounding boards. Absolutely. I think we connected when you first joined Intel and we've been connected ever since. And um, it's just a mutually beneficial relationship. And so just super proud of you and excited for, the leadership journey that you're on and and the impact that you're going to continue to drive at Intel, because it's far and wide. And you've always influenced well beyond the role that you were in, right? Whether it was through an employee resource group, (laughs) right? Okay. Leading that, (laughs) whether it's through uh, partnering with the HR organization, even before you were in the organization as a coach, as a leadership voice on topics like trust, building trust, you name it. And so again, that's the power of those relationships. It's the power of finding leaders who can coach you to be able to realize your potential your passion and your purpose and you have been a phenomenal example of that and so i just enjoyed the conversation but before we wrap up because we could talk all day is there anything that i haven't asked you that you feel important that we share with the audience around uh, coaching
1: yeah so this one is i think i'm i'll put on my leadership hat you know here you know and one thing i just want to say is that is this toss between Success and significance. Mm -hmm. And what I just want to say is that when you look at a seed, you know, that starts with a seed that eventually eventually becomes a fruit, it goes through a journey from a seed to fruit. And, you know, that seed itself needs to be planted in the ground. You know, it has to be planted in the right ground and that right ground is really your mindset Mm -hmm. You know, if you plant a rose in sandy soil, it's going to struggle and it's probably going to have a very short life. So you need to make sure that you have the right mindset in order for you to grow. And even when that seed begins to grow, assuming it's in the right soil, it needs to be watered. It needs to, you know, remove the weeds as it begins to grow. You have to put manure. Guess what? A seed cannot water itself. Mm-hmm. You know, a plant cannot weed things around it itself. We need people in our lives, whether they are coaches or likeisha, like you said, you know, board of directors. But ultimately, when that plant becomes a fruit, a tree never eats its own fruit. Mm-hmm. It's not for it. So the gifts that you have are not for you. Mm. they're meant for other people they're meant to bless and impact other people so in this race I know we're going through a lot of you know tough times in the environment right now but this is the times we need to serve our gifts and make them available in order to you know be a blessing to other people to impact people's lives and once you can do that you know that is the power of coaching is really being able to take someone you met at a point A and take them to C and walk in the journey with them it's all about the influencing you know you're better off, you know, when you left them, when you parted with them, than when you met with them.
0: Oh, I love it! I love it! Right? I mean, it's cultivating the seeds of greatness inside of each one of us, right? And once they mature, they benefit the world. Um, we can have that far-reaching impact. So, thank you so much for that. Before I let you go, I want to just have a bit of fun with you and kind of do a, my lightning round of questions. And I'll say a word or phrase, and you tell me the first thing that comes to mind.
1: You ready? <laughs> okay. What's, Never, okay, fine. <laughs> what was your favorite food? jell rice. fries. Nigerian jell rice fries is the best.
0: It is. Uh, and, I, and I know this because I've had some at your home. Okay. <laughs> what's your guilty pleasure if you have any? I think it'll be ice cream. Oh, okay. And, I, and listen, I know that's a guilty pleasure because you... Not only do you take care of your mind, but you take care of your body. I think you and the end of the family, you guys focus on health and fitness and eating well. So I, I get the ice cream thing and go to pleasure. Okay? <laughs> All right. What's your favorite book or a book you're reading now?
1: I'm reading Facilitating Organizational Change by mm-hmm. Edwin Olsen. He's looking at the complexity, not just looking at organization as a system, but looking at it within a complex system and how that dynamic might change.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Love it. Love it. So maybe a dream vacation. If you guys get to travel, if we all get to travel here soon, uh, what's on your list?
1: We've spoken about um, Bora Bora. We've spoken about Florence in Italy. So,
0: Okay. And now I've just got a
1: visual. I, I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm like,
0: oh my gosh, Bora Bora, Florence. Yes. Yeah, sounds amazing. You said,
1: dream, you said dream vacation. So, okay. I, I'm
0: with you. You said dream. <laughs> I'm going with you guys. I'm like, I'm back okay. in my back.
1: Okay. You're always and, welcome. Yes. Let's <laughs> go.
0: So this is a, probably a pretty loaded question because I know it's probably a lot of people, but who inspires you or who's in, who are you drawing inspiration from today in this moment?
1: Miles Monroe, for one, has always been a stapler for me. You know, right now, it's a lot of people around me. I learn a lot from you. I learn a mm-hmm. lot from Tali Coppell. You know, I learn a lot, you know, from even people I mentor. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm just a sponge, just learning. You know, right now, even for my new role, I just have a learning mindset and, is the mindset that everybody has something to teach me and what can I learn? I love it. Love it. You know, so that's kind of what I have, you know, at the moment. So I read a lot of Peter Block as well. You know, a lot of his books, Pat Lencioni, a lot of my things on organizations. Love it. Love it. Thank you for that.
0: So how can the audience stay in contact with you? I know you're a prolific writer and um, you have phenomenal posts for leaders and teams on LinkedIn. Talk a little bit about how we can stay connected with you.
1: Yeah. um, So you feel free to, you know, add me on LinkedIn at, um, if you search for Richard Oshibanjo on LinkedIn, you'll find me also my visit my website at richardoshibanjo.com. You'll find me there as well. So those are two places you can connect. So my website, my personal website, you know, and via LinkedIn, richard.oshibanjo.
0: Talk a little bit about CLG. Because that's another way I think that uh, they can actually not only stay connected, but learn. You have a series where you bring in uh, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, executive leaders across the globe to kind of share. Are you able to talk a little bit about that before we wrap up?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes. So CLG is, um, is a non-profit um, and educational foundation that I and GB Raphael run, one of our interleaders, and is really focused on Portland community, whether underrepresented minorities or even professionals. And what we just really do, we usually do a four-week boot camp. And again, it's free, you know, just to invest in the community to accelerate people's leadership journey. So that's what, you know, CLG is all about. And CLG stands for Connect, Lend, Grow. And it's based on the framework that, you know, when people come together, first of all, to build relationship, you know, that increases the psychological safety and they can really learn from each other so the beauty of CLG is it's 70% learning from each other it's only 30% instruction and as a result of that people can grow together and we've had amazing testimonies you know of people who have become friends some people who are starting businesses together you know somebody you know who got a job who met somebody you know on the team and again these are people from Portland actually we've also had people actually outside you know the U.S., some, you know, people falling from Nigeria, people have joined us from Canada, mm-hmm. and our very own Lakisha Gunter was with <laughs> us as well, you know, when we had our leadership series, you know, Discovering Your Raw, which people love, 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 love so much, you yeah. know, we've had Tom Lunch, you know, in November we are having... Matt Smith as well. So again, it's just investing into people. It's free, you know, because when we grow, you know, our people, they grow the community, the communities grow the cities, the cities grow the nation. So that's just what it's all about. Just investing in people to become their best version of themselves.
0: I love it. Well, I just want to say thank you for being a gift to me and so many others. Um, And just uh, walking in your purpose, because I tell you, it is impacting so many, and we're just so blessed just to, to be in relationship with you
1: and to learn from you. So keep doing what you're doing, my friend. All the best to you. All the best. I'm looking forward to see another Lakisha highlight, you know, <laughs> this time we don't, I don't know what network or TV station that's going to oh, come from. But thank you also for our, yeah, the amazing work you're doing and the amazing stories coming out from this podcast. It's really, it's, it's really a blessing. And thank you so much for doing it.
0: So appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of ROAR. Tune in next time for more awesome talks with people at the top. Don't forget to subscribe and share so you're the first to know when our newest episodes are available. Until next time.